This is Robin. And I'm Molly. And this is Home is Where the Murder Is. Yeah, it is. Hey there, Mal. Hey, Rob. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) I got nothing. Yeah. All right. You are just. Dude, tell the listeners the big news you just found out. Was looking at my phone real quick. Just scrolling, do my scrolling, and the Mount Hora police reported that there was a bear in town. You guys, we don't a have black bears. bears. We don't like have bears. In town, like walking the streets over by the schools. And the best part was Oh my gosh. Oh god, I can't believe I'm even telling you this. But we were on our way back from an event in the dark in a in a car. Yep. And um, not too long ago. No, not too long ago. And like, uh we I we saw a cat running across the street. A black cat. A black cat and Molly pulled over, and I got out of the car, and I was like, yeah, kitty, kitty, kitty. It did, it did not it, come to and her. And it ran away from me. So then it was funny because I'm like, all of a sudden, people are like, there's a black bear out. I'm like, was that a cat or was that a bear? <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, imagine the cat goes around the corner, and out comes a bear all of a sudden. You're like, what just happened? Like, And it's funny because she was just saying how you have to, like, walk away slowly and keep if eye contact. you are in a bear attack. If you know me. You know that that's not that how would I would That would not respond. happen. Absolutely not. That would I not am, happen. I'm a little bit of a spaz, but. Um, but, yeah, so that was some shocking yeah. news. But, yeah, if you are ever faced, like, face-to-face with a bear, um, do not feed it. No. Um, and do not, like, you know, you're, you're not supposed to run, right, because they want to chase you. That's what bears like to do. Stay calm. Do not approach the bear. And I read in my I Survived book that I read with the kids of the bear attacks of, gosh, what year it was. But it was out in the wilderness somewhere where where there's lots of bears, more than Mount Horeb. But you are supposed to not look it in the eye, but back away slowly while facing the bear. So do not take that advice, though, probably, because I don't want to be responsible for anyone getting killed. Disclaimer, I am not a yeah, but bear expert. If they get killed, then they won't be able to sue us. But the be family. Oh, yeah, don't take our advice. But I, Honestly, I, read, though, I read that in a children's yeah. novel, so take that how you will. Yeah, I think that everything we say on here should not be taken in any way, shape, or form. No. So let's just it's get It's our that opinions. It's what we yeah. think. And our thoughts and our, are and questionable. And our advice is never going to be some advice. Unless it's about, honestly, unless it's about buying or selling in the state of Wisconsin, I really don't think you should ever listen to anything I have to say. With that being said, let's listen yeah, to you talk for a bit. Speaking of which, um, I want to tell you about something fun I've been up to. And I haven't told you yet, which is weird because I tell you everything. But I don't think I've told you about this yet. Did you bring bears into Mount Horeb? <laughs> Oh my God! Did that, you release the bears? Wouldn't that be hilarious? So I didn't tell you yet, but <laughs> I'm the reason the bears are here. It's me. Hi. I'm the problem. It's, it's you. Yeah. It's, I'm, I'm the bear problem. So I no, I was doing research on you know murders like we always do, and I kept getting back to this one website called findagrave.com. I don't uh-huh. know if you've seen it. But uh, it gives you, like, dates of birth and where somebody's buried or the obituaries, things like that. Just very easy information. Interesting, because I usually end up on Pinterest when I'm on the internet. And you found Find a Grave, but yeah. continue. Yeah, yeah. Different. different. Different people. So anyway, so I, I noticed there that you could, you know, sign up. So I signed up because I was like, oh, well, this way if um, – because you can also edit things. So, like, one of the things I was researching, they had – 
the date of birth wrong for one of them. So I suggested an edit or whatever. So I was like, oh, that's kind of a nice feature. Well, then I noticed that there's a volunteer opportunities. I'm like, what is this? What am I going to get to volunteer? They you need more things to do. I Perfect. know. I absolutely. This is awful. But they they you can go into these cemeteries and take photos of them and upload them to people that want to see photos of family members, oh. plots or something. You know, a lot of it with the ancestry.com and everything. People are like, oh, I wonder. Oh, my. You know, my family's mar- buried in Wood Cemetery in Milwaukee. Uh, I wish I could go, but I don't live that close, you know. And so then they put right. this request in, like, hey, if anybody's in that cemetery on this day, could you go ahead and take a picture of it? So there's all these different requests. So like a crazy person, I signed up for Dane County, which is where we are right now, and then Milwaukee County, which is where I live half the time. and Where you are sometimes. Sometimes I'm there, too. Um, and then I sound, and then I'm, uh, I haven't yet because it hasn't been approved yet, but I also signed up for Waukesha County, which is in between those two counties. And then that you get all these requests for all these cemeteries. I have like 60 some requests right now of people that want me to go and look at these cemeteries for them and find their plots and take photos for them. And I'm so excited. Yeah. Okay. She's looking at me like I'm nuts, but you guys. So this is volunteer though. It's volunteer. And so, well, here's what I like about it. I only allow myself one hour a day to do it. And it is in the morning when I wake up. I like this morning I got up at 6 a.m. for no freaking reason just so I could go walk in the cemetery for an hour and once my hour is up I'm out the door or well out of the cemetery <laughs> I'm there's I'm no door back with the lies <laughs> so, people but yeah so that's that I think that's great for you yeah won't probably do it in the winter no it's too cool. well and they're buried a lot of them will be buried because aren't a lot of them like... Molly they're all buried oh my gosh. You walked right into that. I did. I did. But no, no, no. I mean, like the, the, like the, the ground I'd ones have to, and like, stuff. clear them off yeah. and stuff. And I don't, I'm not about – and I don't want to be out in the cold. I'm, I'm no. not a fan of the cold. You're not built for that. I'm not. You are. You should go. Why? Well, I I mean – You like the cold. I don't like to be too hot. I – my favorite time of year is, like, the end of summer when the nights start to get really, like, crisp and cool. And you can open up the windows and you get like a little chill at night. But then the days are still beautiful and like mid-70s. That's my perfect Two things. One, she was saying that with her eyes closed. I was imagining that. she was really there. I want it so bad. You're not supposed to sleep with your windows open. You will die. I'm on the second floor. Don't care. And listen, if you've ever met my dogs, there's no one getting into this home without me knowing. I'm just saying I don't like it. A car can there. hardly drive by in the street that without me knowing. That is true. The dogs will alert yes. the media. So, But anyway, so that's what I've been up to every morning for the past couple weeks when I'm home. I think that's neat. But I thought it was kind of funny because I had to get Dane County as well because when I'm here, I have to go. So when you go up to the to the studio tomorrow, yeah, I'm going to the cemetery and I'm going to go do my thing. Cool. Love it. So, yeah. Look at us. Yeah. Do, do, One more thing. Doing. Doing things, doing more than we possibly can fit into our day constantly. And it's volunteer work. So I think that when it comes time for the Realtors Association to pick a community service volunteer member, I will nominate myself and say, yeah, I've been taking pictures of graves. (laughs) They're going to be like, all righty, who else do we got? Their new homes. (laughs) Listen, this is their forever home now. Oh, that's morbid and I love it. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Anywho, um, so that's, that's it. I'm gonna I'm gonna give a murder today. You you get to listen to me. So it's 
Rob time. Oh, God, you were coming up some, with Rob, some good stuff. Rob. Oh. Re, 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 reading with Rob. Oh, my God. Can you tell it's after midnight? <laughs> it is. Well, you're tired. Okay, I'm just going to get into it. So, you guys, I'm very excited. I am not doing a murder that includes children today. Thankfully. And there's no sons murdering their family. No. Okay, cool. So like something different for both of us. Yeah. So I was trying to do something um it's still awful. Just awful. I mean but I was trying what to is not it with what we one, talk about. With, yeah, I was trying not to do a child one this time. Yeah. So um but she is someone's child. So let's let's get into it. Okay. So this is the murder of Heidi Furcus. So I'm gonna start off by saying there is a twenty twenty special on this that you have to watch. It is so good. This is how I ended up doing this case is I accidentally clicked on it. And I mean accidentally. I was trying to click on something else and I was impatient. And so then it all of a sudden my mouse like. That's happened to yeah. me. So and it clicked it and I'm so glad it did because I went down that rabbit hole and it was it's a very good well done ab- episode. And then of course I then I was into the newspapers and the articles and I was just um, I ended up being able to do this in one night. Kind of like what you did last night where you yeah. were up very very late. I could not stop. Just kept going yeah. with it. Yeah. So it's very intriguing, um, and so I would definitely watch that 2020 special if I were you. So, all right. So Heidi Erickson was born on December 14th, 1984, to John and Linda Erickson. She had two brothers, Peter and Joel, and they all resided near St. Paul, Minnesota. Her parents described Heidi as someone who was passionate about the outdoors, hiking, biking, camping, etc., as well as loving to paint, sing, and dance. Heidi was very active in her church, and in her 20s, she met Nick Furcus there at church, and they fell in love. People said that they were head over heels for one another, specifically pointing out that Nick absolutely adored Heidi. One person said that they had always hoped that someone would love them the way Nick loved Heidi. Hmm. Yeah. Probably not for long, though. Not Probably not at all. I knew you were going to say that. Yeah. Wait till you... you, you, Wait. Yeah. So Heidi and Nick married and shortly after purchased a house in 2007. The home, 1794, Mini Ha Ha. <laughs> I'm not laughing, but I am. Mini Ha Ha. <laughs> I like it. It's funny. Yeah. This is serious. West was located in St. Paul in what is described as the Hamlin Midway neighborhood. So near Hamlin College. Okay. The neighborhood is described as quiet, friendly, and a great place to start a family. That was until April 25th, 2010, when Heidi and Nick are awoken by the sound of an intruder. Around 6 a.m., Nick wakes up to get a drink of water. He decides that it's too early and crawls back into bed with his wife. After almost dozing back off to sleep, he hears his front screen door opening. Okay, someone is going to be knocking, right? You, you know, someone opens the yeah. door, whatever. Okay. No, he then hears someone jiggling the door handle and the sounds begin to come off more forceful. Nick is up and out of bed at this point and needless to say, freaked out. He wakes Heidi and tells her that someone is trying to break into the house. He tells her to get her shoes on quickly and they sneak out to the gr- and they'll sneak out to the garage and call 911. Nick grabs his hunting rifle and they begin walking down the stairs which then also puts them near the front door where the intruder was trying to get in. So you can just imagine where your stairs are maybe in your house, mm-hmm. somewhere near the front door. Right. They, I mean, they, a lot of the you times have they to, are. Yeah, you have to walk past the, the front door to get downstairs. Yep. Um, uh, Heidi is on the phone with 911 telling them that someone is breaking into their house. 
She begins to give her address when all of a sudden the 911 caller hears a bang and a scream and the line goes dead. The intruder had broken through the front door and immediately saw Nick with the rifle. They began to struggle for the gun and within seconds the gun goes off and hits Heidi in the back. It then goes off again hitting Nick in the upper thigh and disabling him. The intruder freaks at what he has done and bolts out the front door. Nick sits up and sees his wife laying in the kitchen on her stomach surrounded by a pool of blood. He grabs the phone and calls 911 again, rolls over his wife onto her back, and begins to scream and cry. The 911 call is pretty sad. Police show up within minutes of the first 911 call, so quickly so quickly that Nick was still on the phone with them when they arrived. Kind of a different story than your last one because yeah. they took a long time to get there. Right. This one here, they were there within right. like, minutes. Oh, yeah. Um, they had their guns drawn because they didn't know if the intruder was still in the home. They had arrived so quickly that after the shooting that you could still smell the gunpowder from the rifle in the house. They get Nick in an ambulance and off to the hospital. Unfortunately, 25, uh, unfortunately, 25-year-old Heidi was pronounced dead at the scene. So Nick's wound is treated and he is released from the hospital the same day and he immediately goes to the police station to give the police an account of what happened. Officers had begun casing the area for a suspect but needed more information from Nick on who they were looking for. Upon initial investigation, the door jam had looked like marks from a screwdriver, so it was thought that so it was thought that this is what the intruder was using to break in. I'm using paper today, so you can probably hear that. You can. I was trying to We didn't save out. a tree. Oh, I did not. Hold on one second, you guys. Just Oh, that probably sounds awful coming from the recording, but, like, I have to put my legs out for a second. So I'm just going to pause for a second here. I almost started writing up about this case last night. Stop it right now. I don't, I didn't read. So you know what happened. No, well, I mean, no, no, no. Well, yeah. That ruins all my fun. No, no, no. I didn't, I didn't watch the whole thing, but I was clicking around. Oh, and Right? Yeah, I was clicking around and I got, I saw it on Hulu. I just want to see if I wrote. yes. Um, you know what the problem is? It's because you and I share the same Hulu account. Probably is. <laughs> I oh, mean, no, we, no, we don't. don't. Never. Mm. We would never. Hulu, we're a jokester. Yeah. Um. So future cases. Um. Did I put it on here? There it is. There it is. She has it on her list, you guys. <laughs> I guess I'll delete that one. <laughs> Well, that makes me sad. No, no, but I didn't. I didn't follow through with it. I was. Okay. That, I put it on there. I'm like, oh, I want to go back and okay. read more about this. Okay. But as soon as you started talking about it, I was like, I saw you doing something, and I'm like, did you see me? Like, yeah, I'm, I'm like, like, oh, is she gonna look this up because oh. I am in the middle of. Telling I know. My I'm story. like, oh, this is it. This is it, isn't it? Because <laughs> I like, I, I did some like searching yeah. to like find the house address and yeah. everything too. Because yeah, they had blacked it out on some things yeah. that I. Yes, on, they did. Yep. Yeah. Okay, continue. No, I just had to like tell you that because I got. I'm real excited. excited. I'm so excited. So, yep, so Heidi's passed away and Nick is... Oh, I'm not... I know, I know, but like... <laughs> so Heidi's dead. Sorry. Yeah. Um, And Nick is now in the interview giving his statement. Um, the police had begun asking neighbors if they saw anyone fleeing from the home, if there were any outdoor cameras, anything um, anything that could kind of lead them to the intruder. Unfortunately... You know, sometimes I just wish I could talk like a Listen, person. unfortunately. Unfortunately, within the first few hours of investigating, they turned up nothing. Nick sits down with the investigators and gives his account of what happened. He says pretty much what I already told you. He heard someone try to break in, woke Heidi, grabbed his gun, followed her down the, st- followed her down the stairs as he rushed to get her to the garage, 
The intruder broke through and saw him with the gun and immediately tried to wrestle the gun from him. It went off once and then again hitting him. The intruder bails. Nick realizes his first shot hit Heidi. He describes the intruder as, I think he was a black guy with a dark hooded sweatshirt, but I did not get a good look. He was really big, 6'1 or 6'2. So this is what the cops are going off of. And I mean, honestly, his account sounds pretty believable, too. I mean, absolutely. I can see something like that happening. Absolutely. So Nick tells the detective that he and Heidi had been married for four and a half years. They were active in their church, and they led youth groups. Heidi had been working for a company called Securian Financial, which was a financial services company, and Nick was the director of operations for his family's carpet cleaning and flooring contracting business. He said he had no mar- he said they had no marital problems whatsoever, and this is confirmed by friends, family, and law enforcement checking in with any background checks. He also was honest about a financial situation that they were in. Nick told law enforcement that they were facing foreclosure on their home. He said that they were embarrassed by the situation and that they had begun packing and were figuring out their next move. He said they hadn't told anyone yet because they wanted to have a plan in place, but mostly it was just because they were embarrassed. Which, it's important to note that in 2007, this was a very common thing. Uh, or I'm sorry, in 2010, this was a very common thing. So they bought the house in 2007, and by 2010, there was people going within foreclosure all over the place. So... Um, we were going off of a huge financial crisis between 2007 and 2009, mm-hmm. and this is how I'm going to describe it. So foreclosures in 2010 were at 2.23%. So to give you a comparison, in 2022, so last year, the rate was 0.23%. So it's a 2% um, decrease since 2010. Yeah. So it gives you an idea of just – anybody that was around during that time knows that it was really hard for a lot of people to hang on to their properties. So um, so being foreclosed on in 2009 or 2010 was not out of the norm. But again, it as a young couple who had just bought their house. Well, well right. And it, it does feel like you fail. It, 100%. It's a failure. And, like, it's a, I could see how that would be embarrassing. Absolutely. You wouldn't want to admit it. Like, yeah. it's a hard thing. And, like, there were, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So regardless, it's not something that people are proud of. And Heidi and Nick were still figuring out what they were going to do. After the three-hour interview, Nick has told Heidi, or I'm sorry, after the three-hour interview, Nick is told that Heidi passed passed away, and he breaks down as his family enters the room. The next day, Nick sits down with both their parents to talk about their financial situation and prepare for Heidi's funeral. Heidi's funeral was held a week after her tragic death, and there was not an open seat in the church. Nick spoke at the service and said his goodbyes to the love of his life. So, now it's common for us true crime junkies to say that when a wife is killed, oh, the husband did it. It's probably the husband. That's what your face said. Your face said that it was the husband. Right. Okay. I did. You my did. Face said you that. did. So I, natu- I didn't have to say it with my voice. No, I saw your face and I was like, let's yep. stop it. Let's give this, you know, let's, let's give this guy some respect. So naturally the media came down really hard on Nick. I like how I'm doing this and you guys can hear it. That's my paper. It's a shaking paper shake. (laughs) Okay, so naturally the media came down really hard on Nick, and law enforcement had their questions as well, but family and friends supported him and helped him through this horrible time. To be safe, his family got him an attorney, and the attorney suggested he get a sketch made of the man he saw. So they hired a sketch artist and released the sketch to the police department, who in turn released it to the media. Unfortunately, years began to pass by, and the anniversary... And on the anniversary of her death, they would share the photo again with hopes it would trigger someone's memory. And finally, in 2015, five years after the murder, it did. 
A woman called in and said the man in the sketch was a ma- was Michael Pye. P-Y-E, in case you're wondering. Not like P-I-E, like the pie you eat. Not delicious. Yeah, no. So I just, that's, there you go. Yep. Pye was a career criminal who had a history of early morning break-ins in the St. Paul area. I like that cur- career criminal, like like some people decide that they're going to be a doctor. Mm-hmm. Some people decide they're going to be um, a dentist, a teacher. Well, it's nope. like criminal. You know what, the though? It's like in The Sims. You yeah. can be a criminal. Exactly like it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Love The Sims. Yep. So, yeah. So he, uh, Pi was a career criminal who had a history of early morning break-ins in the St. Paul area at the time of the murder. The sketch was a complete match to Pi, and law enforcement finally got the break they were looking for. Wow. Yep. See? Told you. I told you I didn't watch the whole thing. Well, and I told you, this is what, you know, I said, don't think Don't shake your paper at me. <laughs> well, everybody always blames the husband, and it's like, stop it. Anyway. Um, so police tracked down Pi and learned he was, I'm sorry. He was actually in jail for the other for other crimes at the time. Oh, Not, so like right now when they're going to talk oh, to him. Oh, okay, okay. So okay. they were so they went to a jail to talk to him. They showed him the sketch, and he goes, "That's me." <laughs> oh, you did it! Look what you did! <laughs> nice did. job. Yeah. Um, they told him about the man who gave them the sketch, and that his wife was dead due to this intruder. Pi immediately said he had nothing to do with the crime, admitted to his break-ins, but insisted he never had an altercation with someone who had a gun. Pi was terrified that he was about to get blamed for a murder he didn't commit. But luckily for him, it was found that Pi was actually in jail at the time of the murder. Yep. Yep, he was. And that revelation right there was when law enforcement realized that Nick Fergus was lying. Boom, boom, boom. Nick. See what I did there? By this point, Nick had moved on with his life. Only a few months after Heidi's death, Nick was already in a new relationship. Of course he was. Oh my god, do you see what's happening? Because I try to make it think, make you think that he was like some innocent victim. Listen, I I know didn't, didn't. like it. I I just love it. I had so much fun putting this together. But Did you? Story wise, right? Story wise is terrible, but like writing like, wise, uh, how I don't you know. Composed it. Yeah, that's it. Okay. So his new wife's name was Rachel Watson, and she had met Nick through her sister, who was friends with Nick and Heidi. Friends were surprised he moved on so quickly, but they also wanted him to be happy, so they accepted it. After a year of dating, they began planning their wedding, and they were married in August of 2012. They went on to have three kids together, and Nick remained working for his family business and got himself out of debt. Because of his financial problems before, he was not able to buy a house, so his parents purchased one, and Nick and Rachel were responsible for the mortgage payments directly to his parents, and then they would need to pay the property tax bill at the end of each year. Like in his first marriage, Nick handled all the financials for the household, which was working out just fine until one day, Rachel came across something in his sock drawer. So now I'm going to reverse just a little bit. Because my goal in this episode was to make it seem like Nick was not a slime bucket who killed his wife, which I hope I did for some of you. Right. Um, But the truth is, he is a complete monster. So I'm going to give you some red flags that came up during the investigation, which is why law enforcement always had an eye on Nick. So these are things that happened in, like, during, like, in the initial and everything. Right. But I didn't tell you because I wanted to set up, set set the scene. to be sneaky. I am. So red flag number one. During the three-hour interview, Nick is calm and cooperative, but not upset or emotional at all. He asks the officer at the end of the interview if Heidi was alive, and when he is told no, 
He puts his head down and says, I figured as much. No tears, just I figured as much. Interesting, right? Yep. And then when his family comes in, then he starts to cry. Right, because he had to put on a show. Absolutely. Number two, as soon as officers get on scene, they begin canvassing the area. Not one neighbor saw someone trying to get into the home or run away from the home. The only noise that was heard was one gunshot followed by another shortly after. When the neighbor looked, the neighbors looked outside after the second shot, there was never anyone seen fleeing. Officers also used canines to trace for scent and nothing was ever found. The, yeah. Okay, number three. The foreclosure, Nick, does tell, I'm sorry, the foreclosure, Nick does tell law enforcement that their house was being foreclosed on. But what I didn't tell you before was that the sheriff sale was happening the next day. Ooh. Yep. The home itself was not packed up. Did not look like anyone was planning to be moved out or even go on a trip. Furthermore, friends and family members said that if Heidi had known about a foreclosure, she would have shown signs of being upset and she would have reached out to family for help. Yep. She didn't handle the financing in the, wait a minute. Family. Home. Home. (laughs) This is fun. (laughs) So people believe Nick had kept this from her. Also, upon a search of the home, financial and foreclosure documents were found, and Heidi's signatures weren't on any of them. She hadn't attended any of the hearings, and it almost seemed like she didn't exist. There were also no emails or text messages between the two of them talking about their financial problems. Everything was hunky-dory. That was until days before the murder when Heidi started getting creditor calls. She would ask Nick about them, and he would lie to her, but the pressure was on for something to happen. Nick says she knew about the sheriff's sale coming up, but evidence suggests she did not. She did not. Sorry. You know what's funny is that this mic keeps getting in the way of my reading. Oh, yeah. So then all of a sudden I can't see a word. Yeah. That's fun. Officers believe she was becoming suspicious. Suspicious? Don't be suspicious. She was a little sus. (laughs) That's how I, is that what I should have said? Yeah. Easier. Uh, Let me try again. Officers believe she was becoming sus. Yeah. Which is why he killed her. Anyway. Red flag number four, guys. Stay with me. The day after the murder, when Nick was sitting down with both sets of parents, Heidi's dad said to Nick, don't worry, they'll find him. And Nick's response was, they'll never find him. Why, Nick? Why? Is that what you say? Like, wouldn't you say, I hope that they do? Honestly. Red flag number five. 2009 to 2010. Michael Pye's face was all over the media for the break-ins. Police believe this is where Nick got his plan from. So if this guy's face and his M.O. is being plastered all over the place, yeah, it's easy for him to create the, the same scenario and then bl- blame it on him. Yep. Number six. This case went unsolved for years, and detectives were always receiving calls from family and friends wondering if there were any new leads, usually on the anniversary or the shooting of the shooting or her birthday. But Nick never called once. Mm. Nick just so happened. Okay, number seven. Nick just so happened to have a vacuum in his personal car that specialized in cleaning up blood. That's now, an interesting vacuum mm-hmm. to have. Now, his family did have a carpet cleaning business, and this is something they did do oh. sometimes. But it was in his personal car, which I guess is odd for that to happen. Well, and I mean, 
Yeah. That's a minimal piece of evidence. Yeah. An interesting one. Yeah. Okay. Number eight. Heidi and Nick had over $8,000 in overdraft fee charges in one year. They were living way above their means. Friends and family said there is no way Heidi knew about this at all. So she would have said something if she knew about any of these financial problems. Yikes. Number nine, a locksmith who deals with many burglary calls evaluated the damage to the door and stated that it was not consistent with a break-in. It looked as though someone was trying to create damage, not get into the property. Uh Mm Uh-huh. And the last one, number 10, of all my little red flags. He did it. (laughs) Oh, yeah. The only DNA found on on the gun was Nick's. I wrote wad. Wad Nick's. It sure was. It was Nick's DNA. So obviously, yeah. So there, so these are the things that made law enforcement question Nick. And now they had proof that he was lying about the sketch because that man was in jail when the crime happened. Yep. And this Michael Pye guy, very distinct features. That's why when he looked at the sketch, he was like, yeah, that's definitely me. Right. But so very distinct features. Like it just, it was, it was crazy. It was spot on. So, um, they knew he was lying because the sketch of the man was in jail. They began to zero in on him when at the same time his wife Rachel found a delinquent tax letter in his sock drawer. He had been paying the property he had not been paying the property taxes. Oh. Yep. They're gonna want that, sir. Mm-hmm. Rachel's immediate thought was last time he was in financial trouble, his wife ended up dead. Ooh, yeah. Leading up to this point, Rachel and Nick were already very distant in their relation relationship. And they hadn't been speaking very much. Now, Rachel says that Nick would never talk about Heidi. And she thought she this was strange, but he respected it. Right. But she respected him. Sorry. However, she wasn't about to end up like his first wife. So she packed up their children and left in the middle of the She's night. like, you know what? Let's, let's just I like take her. a little she's trip. Smart. She's like, I'm out of yeah, here. She's like, listen, Bye. this is sounding Not going to stick around to see what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sounding a little sus. Yeah. There it is, that word. Yep, yep. So I, I like that, that she was she was like, I'm not messing around. Yeah, so no kidding. She gets them to a secure location and agreed to meet with Nick to discuss what was going on. She had a friend go with her, and she recorded the meeting on her phone. And 2020 plays the recordings. It's okay. very good. She tells him she no longer believes that he wasn't involved in Heidi's death because lying comes so easily to him. Yeah. He tells her that he refuses to talk about Heidi and that he is hurt by what she is saying. Hmm. His hurt feelings are so sad. So Rachel then schedules a time to sit down with him and his parents, and his parents continue to defend him, saying he had nothing to do with Heidi's murder. Which I, I, you know, parents Parents, I get it. Yep. But honestly, based on what I've read and seen, Nick could admit to killing Heidi, and his parents would still defend him. Like, that's, they seem very like our son can do no wrong. Right. Which is a tough call. Because right. we have kids, right. and what would we do to protect them? Right, exactly. So, and I mean, I maybe really, it was more or less yeah. they didn't want to believe it yeah. too. I can't really bank on, or you know, I mean, I love to make fun of people and everything, but I really can't in that situation. Because, you don't know what you would do or right. what you would say or believe. Right, I do know that I would not love somebody that's being, in jail. Well, and being in denial about it all, and yeah. yeah. So Rachel began telling mutual friends about what. She, what she knew now and how she had doubts about Nick and soon friends started to question him as well. So his support system was getting smaller. Right. Okay. 
All right. So in 2019, detectives Nikki Sipes is given the Heidi Furcus case, and the first thing she does is rewatch Nick's interview, noting his lack of emotion in it. She also learns that Nick and Rachel divorced in 2018, so she reaches out to her. Luckily, Rachel is more than ready to cooperate with what she knows. Good. Detective Sipes also gets the FBI involved, and they do a recreation of the scene and what Nick says happened that day. During the recreation, they note that Nick says he was behind Heidi as she was walking down the stairs. So her back is to him the whole time. They also find it interesting that if there was such a struggle with a large man in the entryway, why wasn't anything disturbed? Right. There is a side table with items on it, and they were right in their place. Nothing moved. Yeah. They also measured out where the gun would have had to be held for both shots in order for one to hit well, right, Heidi. Right, because it, it was a... A rifle. A rifle. Yep. Yeah. So, and based off of the recreation they did, it would it would have to have been pointing right at her back, and it would have been at shoulder length. So if he was fighting with someone, like, how did that, how did that happen? How, so, but how? Yeah. So, um, um, the FBI also analyzed the call that Heidi made. They were able, able to prove that the only two voices heard on the call belonged to Heidi and Nick. There was no sound of a struggle with a third person. Right. So. Which you would have heard since oh. she was shot by the person. Uh-huh. And you hear the shot. Exactly. Yeah. With all this evidence against him, SWAT shows up at his house on May 19th, 2021 with a warrant. They take him into custody, and when he asks why he's being arrested, they say, for murder, and he shows no emotion. He's like, oh. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he fucking knows he did it. Yeah. I'm sorry, but if I was being arrested for murder, I didn't commit, I'd probably be losing my shit. Oh, absolutely. So You'd be pleading your case, saying, yeah. no, this isn't true, this isn't oh, yeah, fair. Yeah. Like Something. Absolutely. No, you would just, just like, be like, all right. Okay. Yep. So during Nick's trial... um. What did I say? Sometimes I talk to myself when I write notes and then I don't delete them. Yeah. And I think that's what happened here. Uh, Okay. So during Nick's trial, the prosecution proves to use the the red flags that I mentioned earlier. Yeah. All the They bring all that out. Yeah. Um, But they also show a video of officers recreating the scene where Nick heard his door opening. So the video shows that the officers are inside the bedroom that Nick was in and they had officers downstairs. Um, outside you cannot hear from this and they were recording it It was kind of cool and again this is in that 2020 episode but they have an officer standing there and he cannot hear anything the jiggling of the handles nothing so there's no way that someone was that he heard an intruder while in that bedroom right so that really that's the to me the big smoking gun because that's where his story begins oh god no pun intended on the smoking gun comment Ooh, that was robin ann Robin, Robin. I know. Okay. Um, Prosecutors set up a scene that Nick had not come up with a way to tell his wife that they were about to be homeless the next day, and he was desperate. He couldn't handle the shame that was coming his way, so he woke up, woke her up by telling her someone was trying to break into the house and to get to the garage immediately. He had her put her shoes on and walked behind her with a loaded gun down the stairs. She had begun begun calling 911, and when she gets to the kitchen, he shoots her in the back. She never sees it coming. He then opens the door slightly, shoots himself in the leg, and calls 911. 
The calls were 65 seconds apart, giving him enough time to pull this off. And they, the the defense attorneys questioned that. They're like, there's no way he could have done all that in 65 seconds. So the attorney, the prosecutor in the courtroom was like, oh, you want to bet? And she recreated the entire thing and had time to spare. Yeah. So Nick Ferkus puts Heidi's family and friends through a very long trial, maintaining his innocence while the biggest schmucks I have ever come across are working as his, his de- defense attorneys. You guys. I don't, I mean, of course there's some people that are innocent and everything, but like to be a defense attorney for like cases that are clearly the first and I don't know how they do it. Yeah. So again, watch the 2020 special. These are two of the most disgusting human beings I've come across. Ugh. You can tell they are career criminal defense right. attorneys. They eat they, it up. They just, the things that they say and the, the way they try to debunk things, it's just disgusting because. It is. Unfortunately, it's, it's their job, I guess. But I guess. Still, it's, but you yeah. can just tell that they just have no compassion whatsoever. Right. Like you have to be an idiot not to believe that this guy did it. And yeah. I get that it's their job, but it's like he they come up with the most ridiculous things. Like one of the things that they said was that at the front um, where that when I said, why wasn't there more of a mess in the front of the the the, the foyer? I guess you could say entryway. Yeah. They go, well, her shoes. She had a pair of shoes that were out of place. That's it. Everyone has shoes out of place. Right. Yeah. Um, they say that. um so with the regards that there's no DNA, um, the suspect had gloves on. So there's no any no other DNA whatsoever right. in that house. Okay. Um, why didn't Nick call for a status update on Heidi's case? Well, they say, well, we told him not to because we didn't want him to get questioned by police. <sighs> Fine. There's excuses for everything. Yeah, like a simple, you could have still sent an email. Yeah. Um, they claimed that Heidi absolutely knew about the foreclosures because there were documents all over the house about it. But prosecutors were able to prove that he was he had um, uh, staged. Oh, that put him out yeah. after he killed her. Yep, yep. Um, and there was enough time to to do that. They stated that. Oh, so yeah, there, they state that there wasn't enough time between the nine one one calls. But again, they were able to prove that. Yep. Um, and in regards to the damage to the door. This is what they say. They say, when you're breaking into a house at 6.30 a.m., you just try not to damage the door. And, again, I don't get that because the whole point of it was a locksmith said. Right. It's just like somebody's creating damage to it. But what made me laugh about that was I'm like, I'm sorry, what did you just say when you're yeah. breaking in at 6.30 in the morning? Sir, that is the worst time to be breaking in Right. Everyone's getting home. up for the day. The and sun like, is out. Yeah. And this is in a, a community, a neighborhood. Right. If someone was really breaking into this house at 6.30 a.m., they probably shouldn't be going through the front door. hmm And, like, you're – people are awake. Right. So the whole thing just is baloney. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. It's just your, me. There's your foot. Excuse me. I'm so sorry. Okay. So overall, they had nothing to go up against the evidence. And on February 10th, 2023, after only four hours, the jury found him guilty on first and second degree murder charges. Oh. He, yeah, right. Oh. He was sentenced to life without parole on April 13th, 2023. Good. 13 years, almost to the day of when he murdered his wife. He got to have a whole other life mm-hmm. for a bit. He did. He and his family maintain his innocence. And his great defense team plans to appeal this conviction, which is just great 
He clearly did this and is a complete narcissistic monster. And instead of admitting what he has done, he's going to put Heidi's family through numerous appeal processes. Like, you took her life. Like, yeah, just Can let you them just rest. Stop. Like, just stop. Yeah. Um, and before I get into the house information, I want to point out that her obituary re- reads that she survived by her loving husband, Nick. Ooh, yeah. things that don't age well. Uh, I just wish there was a way to, like, remove that, but I don't know. I, maybe they have. Yeah. No, they haven't. No, I looked it up. Oh, yeah. It's there. So, anyway, so let's talk about the property where Heidi's life was taken. It is a three-bedroom, two-bath Cape Cod with 1,236 square feet. It was built in 1902, but the earliest listing I could find was on February 1997, where it was listed for $71,921. Good prices. Yeah. It sold a few months later in May of 1997 for $72,600, so a little bit over list price. Uh Uh-huh. The next listing came in December 2001, and it was priced at one fifty nine nine, so almost double what it was in 1997. Right. It didn't sell until June 14, 2002, um, and it sold for one sixty seven, which was surprising given how long it was on the market. Yeah. But it sold over asking. Yeah. Well over asking. So I thought that was kind of odd. Probably, you know, just but it's possible. people yeah. wanted it all But it sudden. was sitting for a while, so it's very possible that during that time they had done updates. So. Yeah. Um, in April 2007, it was listed again for 2000, 219900 but it did not sell until August of 2007, which is when Heidi and Nick purchased it. Mm-hmm. And they purchased it for two fifteen. So they got it for under asking. Um, so not a huge increase from when it was last sold for 167. So what's good about that is that you don't see the huge increase there when they bought it. You, the increase came back in the nineties, which is where I was like, well, maybe that's where the problem started. I don't yeah. know. I'm not a finance person, but whatever. No. I didn't destroy the government anyway. So from 2007 to 2010, Nick, Nick begins to default on the loan at some point and the foreclosure pros- proceedings begin. <clears throat> He then kills Heidi, and the bank takes the property. Now, with the crash and now a murder, the house saw a huge decrease in value. Oh, yeah. It was listed for $99,000 in July 2010. Can't even think of that. Yeah, three months after the murder. And it didn't sell until October 2010, and it sold for $94,000, so even less. Yeah. Um, And I have to say, so this exact reason is why I got interested in doing this podcast, because... It's really cool to see. It's not cool per se, but it's interesting. Interesting. It's informative. Yes. To see how a murder affects a property. And sometimes we're not able to find that. So I got real giddy when I was like, there it is. That's exactly what I'm talking about. This house saw a gruesome murder. Yep. And it dropped in price. So, um, so in July 2013, the house is listed for $149.9 and it sold for, um, it sold for that. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. It was listed for 149.9 and sold for 149. Lots of nines in this. Oh yeah. Um, and that sold in September 2013, and that was the last time it was ever sold. Uh, the listing had this following description. So this is the description on the listing after the murder. It says nothing left to do. Updates galore. Fresh and clean. Two story. Fresh and clean. Gleaming hardwoods throughout. Cute paint. Updated kit. With stainless kitchen with stainless appliances, adorable half bath on Maine. I've never heard a 
a half bath described as adorable. adorable. It's really, it's really darling. Yes. And cute paint. Oh, a lot of little, little features. features. I should look up who this realtor is. Three space, spacious bedrooms upstairs. Master has walk-in closet. Bathroom with clawfoot tub. Two plus car garage. Walk to everything. Um, so, yeah, they had updated the entire house. Yeah. Obviously. Um, so, yeah, so that's the very sad story of Heidi Furcus and her demon husband who took her life and refuses to take responsibility for his actions, therefore dragging out the heartache for her friends and family until the foreseeable future. Until he dies, probably. But I'm going to leave you on one interesting fact. So, Rachel, his second wife. Yep. Her birthday is the same date of Heidi's murder. No. Yes. <laughs> so, and I have to give mad props out to his second wife, Rachel, because she was a big help in getting him behind bars. And she didn't stay with him, obviously. And she didn't stay with him. She, I like that she had a good head on her shoulders and she was like, oh, yeah, something's up here. So, right. Yeah. Um, it's unfortunate that she's got to raise her three kids without their father now, but I'm glad she got out because, yeah. And yeah. she, at the end, of, and she is a big part of why now I believe Heidi can rest in peace because. Right. Her murder is behind bars. And I hope he stays there so his defense attorneys can just back off. Stop it. So, and I will make sure that I monitor that for us, as I always do, and we'll post that when I see updates. But, yeah, that's the murder of Heidi Fergus. Yikes. Yeah. So, thanks, that, guys. Obviously, I thought that was an interesting one because I wrote it down to look further yeah, into later. It was. So, I'm good sorry. job. I'm sorry that I snagged that from you. Oh, that's okay. And it was in Minnesota. I'll, there's a lot of murders out there. There are. Too so, many, you guys. Stop it. Stop it. Control Stop your doing actions. it. Control your emotions. Yeah. Take a deep breath yeah. instead. I mean, for everything we've been through and not murdered someone, I think it's possible that you can control yourself too. Yeah. So, and you'll never get away with it. No. So, and then we'll be going to get you. And then we'll be talking about you. Yep. Embarrassing. Oh my God. The worst. So, um, again, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. And uh, email us. Email us at home is where the murder is at gmail.com. And don't forget to tell your realtor friends about us because we would love to partner with them. Yep. And keep, send us your stories. We want, we want. What we, do you want to hear? Yeah, what do you want to hear, guys? Let so, us know. Yeah. All right. Well, have a great week. Yeah. Thank you. Bye. Bye.